What is going on guys? It is April 2nd, 2019. Welcome to another edition of Amateur Hour. I am Safwan Alvi, joined by Leo Saylor, making his comeback after a few weeks of a break. But we don't have Ryan Poley with us right now. He is on a baseball trip out to, I think, Indiana or something like that. I don't know exactly where he's playing, but he's on a baseball trip. And I am joined by Leo. So Leo, welcome back after your long absence. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, no, I was just kind of, uh, just been random days, having random things going on, and uh, kind of always how it is for me, you know, very scattered, and it just so happened that these last couple of Tuesdays have been pretty rough Tuesdays for me, uh, as far as scheduling goes, you know, nothing too bad going on, but uh, yeah, so I'm glad to be back and excited to get to talking about some sports with my man, Sap Juan. Absolutely, so let's get into it. So on tap for this podcast, we have, we are going to talk about the NCAA tournament. Obviously, we are winding down. Uh, we are talking about the final four and then we will finally as we talked about in previous podcast we will get to the nfl free agency and we will talk about all the big signings what it means for the teams and the divisions and etc and then we also will end with leo with the power play <laughs> nhl playoffs coming up soon and we're all excited yeah, so you know it big old one-timer coming at you so uh <laughs> so first we're going to get started with the ncaa tournament we the 68 teams have gone down to four we have Texas Tech, Michigan State, Virginia, and Auburn. So first, we'll look at the Michigan State-Texas Tech game. When we talk about these teams, Michigan State obviously pulled a big upset over Duke, the prohibited favorite Duke. Majority of the people had Duke going and winning the tournament. Tom Izzo, personally speaking, Leo, I think this might be his best coaching job. I know he won the 2000 National Championship, but with this team losing Joshua Langford, their second-best player, averaging 16 points a game, and still finding a way to get his team, willing his team, to beat Duke, you know, a star-studded Duke team, I think it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I don't know if anyone could ever take that away from them. Uh, that Duke team, you know, they didn't win the, the uh, title, no, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to make any statement that would go against the idea that this Duke team was the best team in the tournament. Uh, I, I just think you look at their lineup and you look at how good those players are and you say there's the most talent there. And I think in most sports today, including basketball, who's got the most talent, that's your best team in the tournament. And uh, I don't think anyone can really refute that that's a Duke. However, that, that doesn't mean really anything. You know, yeah. titles is what you play for. You don't play to have the highest rating in the video game or finish number one on the on the charts or whatever you play for that trophy and if you don't get it it's it's a failed season when yeah. you look at uh, especially with a team duke like is. duke exactly Correct. like when you play for kentucky when you play for duke when you play for these blue bloods north carolina sure going to the elite eight and final four that's fine but these are programs playing for championships. But they have the see, most talents, and you know if they don't make it, I, I mean that's a disappointing season. The the March Madness for those schools is is a national holiday because they get it every year. The true celebration is maybe maybe a celebration kind of as if you know maybe somebody celebrates leap year or something <laughs> like that. You know they they win every couple years kind of a thing. Um, but but you know it's kind of just a tradition for them and. And I feel like they accept failure pretty well because they, they understand that once you get to a certain point, it really is a toss-up. Yeah, and because in March, we see a lot of these teams, these one-and-done teams, you know, they're not winning championships. We've only had two in recent years that are, you know, true one-and-dones. We had the 2011 Kentucky team with Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, all those guys. And then we had the Duke team, uh, the Jalil Okafor, Tyus Jones, you know, that Duke team. Otherwise than that, there wasn't a true one-and-done team. The Villanovas of the world, you know, these aren't one-and-done, you know, really schools. So it's interesting to see, and 
you know, the experience wins in March. You know, they have the talent, but like winning in March is about experience. It's about coaching. You know, it's about the fundamentals. You said it. You said it. I think it's all coaching. coaching. I, I totally exactly. agree, Safwan, yeah. because experience is one thing. That's great. But coaching is essentially experience plus wisdom. But when you say, you know, more experience than what those players have, it's not just another year or two on top of those players, year or two or maybe three. It's what I, I mean 30 40 years in some of these yeah. guys cases i mean you talk about tom izzo man tom that guy izzo, has been Coach around. Yeah, yeah exactly exactly been for you know half a century it feels like exactly and they're not just coaching these guys on the court and, and, and you know all the all the nice you know sugarcoat stuff oh they, they coach them in life and all that stuff but they've also there's no two ways about it they coach these guys on how to handle the moment how to handle the pressure I mean, I tell you what, once you're in that tournament, I mean, especially once you get to, you know, the Elite Eight, the Final Four, I mean, I mean the the pressure is there. And these guys have never experienced that before because high school championships are a packed gymnasium, yeah. not uh, not an arena. Yeah, not, they're you know, not nationally 30, televised. 40,000 people, and, you know, yeah, packing ex- the stands, yeah. Exactly. And remember, for a lot of these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids right you know these aren't you know 25 26 year old grown men yeah they've never experienced anything like this in their life with that many people in a gymnasium those coaches really are coaches on how to handle that moment and and not just how to handle that moment but how to handle that month how to handle the season i mean it truly is incredible that what a year ago i mean the best player in college basketball truthfully didn't even have his high school to diploma yet i mean it's really incredible exactly so obviously we know duke zion williamson and rj bear they're going to go to the nba top three picks uh, duke is going to reload i mean we know that they're going to get more great recruits and they'll be back here again next year so then the other uh final four team we're going to talk about is the texas tech red raiders yeah this was a really interesting pick because a lot of people did believe in texas tech obviously the main reason they play stifling defense this is without question either the first or second best defense in the country they made michigan look terrible offensively and michigan was actually a really good team and they absolutely destroyed michigan and then they beat gonzaga who many believe including myself this was the best gonzaga team even better than the 2017 team that made the national championship you know, having Rui Hachimura, having Brandon Clark, having Josh Perkins, Mark Few with all this experience. I thought this was, you know, maybe the best Gonzaga team. And they held up under 70 points. You know, uh, head coach, uh, I think his name is um, head coach Chris Beard. Yeah, I was going to say Chris Beard. I just didn't want to mess it up. Head coach Chris Beard has done an amazing job. Obviously, he's a Bob Knight disciple. So, obviously, depending on how you feel about that, some people like that, some people don't. He just preaches defense. They're fundamentally sound all the time. You know, they barely make mistakes. They barely turn the ball over. They're just sound. They're fundamental. And they play the game the right way. And that's what got them to the Final Four. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a, a simple solution for teams when they they have players with ability but maybe not elite-level skill. So they're not Duke. They're not Kentucky. But, you know, they, they have high high ability to compete with those guys. Um, but, but, you know, on, on elite level, maybe not so much when you talk about skill. So, so I think the easy answer, and I think we're seeing this in a lot of sports, is to play defense, play sound, structured game, and wait for your chances. But they're going to come at you with all the skill in the world. But if you play sound defense, mm-hmm. 
all that razzle dazzle might not work out for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really am glad that you touched on that topic because we are going to get into that when Big we time. talk about why are these teams in the final four. We're going to get to that. And then now we got Virginia, the Virginia Cavaliers. This is an interesting case because we all know Virginia lost to the 16th seed last year. Yeah. We all know they're notorious. We all know that's hanging over their head. They're the James Harden of college basketball. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, many thought that they were going to be the first one seed eliminated. Remember, there was UNC, there was Gonzaga, there was mm-hmm. Duke. Everybody thought, oh yeah, Virginia is definitely the weakest link out of that. They're probably going to be the first one to lose. Turns out, they're the only one seed left standing and they're playing in the Final Four. Obviously, it hasn't been pretty. They played some ugly halves, but, you know, they got lucky against Purdue, that that jump shot at the end. Yep. They had to send them into overtime and they were able to get the job done. But, you know, they're here. It doesn't matter how you win. You know, it's if you win. It's called Survive in Advance, and the Virginia Cavaliers are in the Final Four. Yeah, it really is impressive, and and I tell you what, they're maybe they had kind of a relief, you know, yeah, a that's bit. Exactly not so much expectations. The they relief. can just go do their job, go about their business, fly under the radar, maybe not have all that pressure on them, and next thing you know, here they are. Yeah, absolutely, and this is with Kyle Guy struggling, you know, in the NCAA tournament. We know he's one of the greatest three point shooters ever. In college basketball, he was the big reason why Virginia was a one seed, and he's been struggling throughout this tournament shooting threes, and they still made it to the Final Four. And if he can get going in this Final Four, I think Virginia can win the national championship easily. I mean, they're in the Final Four for a reason. And like you said, relief, is I think, is a big thing for Virginia. You know, making it to the Final Four, people were wondering if they lose again early on, we're going to this team was a fraud. Tony Bennett can't get it done in March. And I think he's answered those questions. He's in the Final Four. He got the job done. And I think he has a very good chance to make it to the finals. And in the Final Four, the last team we're going to talk about is the Auburn Tigers. This was a surprise to many people because a lot of people had them losing in the first round right. in the 5-12 matchup. And then for Auburn, Bruce Pearl, obviously he's done a great job at Auburn. You know, they struggled a little bit earlier during the season. I personally loved Auburn in my bracket. I think I had them going to the Sweet 16, but I did not think they were going to make it to the Final Four. And the main thing we can point for Auburn is the great backcourt play. Bryce Brown, Ron Harper. Um, you know, it was a shame Okiki got hurt. He tore his ACL in right. the uh, Elite Eight game, or Sweet 16 game, excuse me. Hopefully but, a quick recovery for him. Yeah, hopefully he'll get back soon and he'll be able to play basketball again. Um Harper and Brown, that backcourt combination has just been absolutely incredible. Both went for over 20 against a really good Kentucky team. They beat a great, you know, Kentucky team, went to overtime, and they still got the job done. Auburn is as dangerous as they get because they run in transition. They are well coached, and Harper and Bryce Brown can fill up the stat sheet, and they can do it quick. Yeah, yeah. One thing when you watch them play is is they're they're pros out there, man. You, you know, they're not out there, you know, lollygagging or doing anything that's that's overly spectacular or, or too much razzle-dazzle on their part. They go about their business in a way that really shows off what they're capable of while at the same time maintaining composure that is level-headed in, in, in the game more than it is uh, um, outside of it the way you may see from some of the higher skill level, maybe uh, less experienced, although a lot of these guys for Auburn are relatively young Um teams but uh yeah overall very impressed with the Auburn Tigers to this point yeah and now going back to what you referred on how did these teams get here if you look at it three out of the four teams and even Auburn now recently they both have two things in common they play excellent defense and they have great guard play Michigan State Cassius Winston just got named first team AP All-American he's the engine that makes Michigan State go Matt McQuaid you know both of these guys they shoot the ball well Cassius Winston facilitates he's an experienced junior guard he is the heart and soul of Michigan State plays excellent defense 
And then who's that? We got Texas Tech. They're probably the best defensive team in the country. You know, Jared Culver, Matt Mooney, obviously Chris Beard, the Bob Knight disciples, all about defense and their guard play. They're just stifling. You can't score on them. Virginia, the, either the, probably the first or second best defensive team, whoever you want to argue, Texas Tech or Virginia, a solid case for both. Great defensive teams. Michigan State, great defensively. Virginia, Kyle Guy. Tom Izzo team. What else would you expect? Yeah, exactly. Right? Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. You know, even though DeAndre Hunter is not a guard, he can handle the ball like a guard. He can shoot. You know, just a lot. Great defense, great guard play. And then Auburn, we just mentioned Bryce Brown, Ryan, Ron Harper, great guards. Uh, and recently playing really good defense. Like, that's what wins in the NCAA tournament. You know, you could have your flashy baskets, your Zion Williamson's, who was going to jump 50 feet in the air, obviously incredible vertical, whatever. But at the end of the day, hard nose, defense, effort, and guard play wins in the NCAA tournament, and it shows perfectly right here. One thing that's beautiful about the NCAA tournament is when you look at, say you look at really any sport and how the championship works, um, that's not, um, yeah, really any sport. What it's all, what's it all about, man? Who gets hot at the right time? Yeah. You know, you know, the best teams don't always win. That's true. Because if they're not hot at the right time, it's going to be the wild card. You know, who, who is it going to be? And so this is the best time for college basketball because you look at the final four. Well, that question is already answered, man. Yeah. We already know who who's hot. Yeah. It's four teams. Yeah. None I of mean, the favorites came out. Maybe other than Virginia, no, none of the favorites. Yeah. Duke was in the Michigan State. They were the favorite. I think Gonzaga was favored over Texas Tech. Virginia, fair. They came out there with favorites, but Auburn definitely was not the favorite coming out of it. And they're hot. They're exactly. hot. Yeah, they got hot at the right time. In the SEC tournament, they destroyed Tennessee in the final game and Look where they are now. They're in the Final Four. Yeah. They're the only SEC team left standing because you said they got hot at the right time. Remember, Auburn struggled throughout a lot of the season, but right when the end of the season came, they got their chemistry, they got it down, and now they're one of the last four teams standing. And I tell you what, if if uh, Tennessee goes ahead and wins that SEC title game, I bet they're still in this game. And I bet we are really still talking about them as a national title uh, uh, contender. Yeah, Absolutely. So real quick, we are going to get to the NFL free agency. So real quick, Texas Tech, Michigan State, who wins? Oof, Michigan State, just Tom Izzo, man. I, I just can't get over it. You know, to me, he's kind of the Bill Belichick almost of college basketball in a way. Uh, just the old school guy goes about his business and does it the right way. And Michigan State, always near and dear to my heart. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go Michigan State too. And I think the Tom Izzo factor, just like you said, I think Cassius Winston is going to facilitate the defense. They're going to have trouble scoring. I think both teams struggle to get to 65 points in this game. Honestly, if they go under 60, I wouldn't be surprised either because both of these teams are exceptional on defense. I'm going Michigan State. And then we got Auburn and Virginia. Who you got? You know what? I'm sorry, Virginia fans, but I really think you're going down at some point. Uh, special shout-out to Clara Smith. I, I do apologize. Uh, you know, I am going to go with Auburn. Like I said, it's all about who's hot right now, and I think that Auburn's got to be – uh, I'm going to give them my vote of confidence because not only have they gotten to this game, but they've gotten to this game on kind of a more difficult road. So Auburn's got my vote here. This one is really close. I can see it going both ways, and I'm, but I am going to go Virginia. I think Kyle uh, Guy finally puts a full game together where he shoots the ball really well. Obviously, we mentioned he's been struggling. I think Kyle Guy gets it together. This is his final four. This is his final go around. And I think they get it together. I think it's a close game. I think it's a great game. Both of them are going to be great games. I think Virginia finally gets the monkey off their back and they play 
Tom Izzo, Tony Bennett national championship game next week. You think he's due, huh? I think Tony Bennett is due. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, All right. I think it's going to be good. So we'll that is our college basketball talk. So now I know we're a few weeks late with this, but we are going to finally get into free agency, the mm-hmm. NFL free agency. It just seems like there was moves every day right when the right when the day hit that Tuesday. Just deal after deal after deal. Well, I tell you what, these deals are already, you know, there's a gentleman's agreement in place. You know, all that's left to do is to sign the paper. Yeah, and there's a lot uh, of, you know, familiar faces in new areas, familiar faces signing back with their teams, and everything in between. So now we have a list in front of us. We're going to go real quick, a quick, you know, synopsis, summary of these players, what they're going to mean for their new team, what it means for their old team, and et cetera. So now first we got the list. We have Trey Flowers. Defensive technician from the New England Patriots going to the Lions to join his former defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. Got a big $90 million deal. Personally, I like this. We all know the Patriots don't really pay this much money for these players. You knew Trey Flowers was going to leave. Matt Patricia, I think he's going to be really good. It's a solid pickup. He's a great technician. I think this is overall a really good signing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it hurts your team at all to have this guy on your roster. And overall, just, you know, kind of familiar faces. Why not? Absolutely. So then we have Earl Thomas, big name. He left. The Legion of Boom is finally deconstructed. All the players are gone. And so Earl Thomas joins the Ravens. He is coming to the Bengals division in the AFC North. Signed a really big deal uh, at the top of the safeties. This is really good because, as we will mention more on, the Ravens lost a lot of pieces in the offseason. They mm-hmm. lost a lot of big-name players that led to them having the best defense in the NFL last year. Getting Earl Thomas, if he stays healthy, he's one of the two or three best safeties in the league. The Ravens have a defensive culture. We all know Harbaugh harps on defense. Earl Thomas, barring you know good health, I think this is going to be a good move. Well, this is in response to what? Response to? The Odo Beckham trade. Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We're definitely gonna get to that. We're that, that'll be. We're gonna save the best for last, which is the Odell Beckham trade. And then we have. Oh, this one's a big one. Le'Veon Bell signed with the New York Jets. I did it. You know he is. Oh. He's a special case because he didn't play this last year. He wanted to hold out, get his money, and I guess it was okay for him because he got over thirty million guaranteed. But yearly, he's going to be making less than what he would have been making for Pittsburgh. So, Leo, do you think he won or lost by sitting out? He wanted security. He got security. That again. I mean, that again, that's all true. You could talk about yearly money. You could talk about guaranteed money, and that's where he is. He is now secure for the rest of his life. We all know running back is a devalued position. They get hurt. He has a lot of mileage on him. He's a wide receiver. He's a running back. He's great. Now he has $32 million guaranteed, and it can be more if he produces like everybody expects him to. He's got his guaranteed money. He's got his. Uh, he's going to play for the Jets. He has a good quarterback in Sam Darnold. They're going to build around him. I like it for Le'Veon Bell. You get $32 million guaranteed. You get your money that you want. So, and a Michigan State alum. Yeah, yeah, Michigan State, another Michigan State. So now we got Adrian Amos, safety for the Bears. He is going to the Packers. He is staying in the division. I think this is a really good move for the Packers. They got to build their uh, defense. We all know they got Jair Alexander. Now they're going to have Adrian Amos. He was in really good position from the Vic Fangio defense in Chicago. I really like this move for the Packers. And I got to get Aaron Rodgers some help. And what what is the best way to help Aaron Rodgers? You get Aaron Rodgers the ball. And you get helping him on defense. I think it's a really good move. Yeah, I think it's a bigger loss for Chicago than it is a gain for the Packers for the reason that I think that they couldn't really afford to lose him. I, I think that he was a key cog. And I think that there is some optimism of someone coming in to take his spot. But I I don't know. He's just yeah, a proven player. Yeah, the Bears might suffer a little bit. And we yeah. all know they have Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, but they did lose Vic Fangio. They did lose 
uh, Adrian Amos, and then we're going to get to Bryce Callahan. They, they lost some big pieces on that uh, Bears defensive front. Uh, we got Jordan Hicks, linebacker from the Eagles, now going to the Cardinals. We know he was the heart and soul of that defense that won the Super Bowl a few years back. Actually, Jordan Hicks, just for those who don't know, actually attended Lakota West High School. He was actually one of the best uh, linebackers in the country, was going to go between Ohio State and Texas, and he chose Texas, and he made it to the NFL. I'm a little bitter, obviously, because he did choose Texas over Ohio State, but, you know, good for him. He won his Super Bowl. He got his money. Good for Jordan Hicks. And Dominican Sue still has not signed. He um, signed a one-year deal with the Rams last year, obviously. He played in the Super Bowl, have played pretty well, so we look forward to seeing that. Bryce Callahan, as we just mentioned, another big uh, player for defense, went to the uh, Denver Broncos, where now Vic Fangio, his defensive coordinator, is the head coach. So I think Vic Fangio is really going to want to bring in familiar guys, you know, to make this Broncos defense really good. And the Broncos defense has, they have a lot of weapons. They have Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris, now Bryce Callahan. They have a lot. They have some game breakers up there on, in Denver. And then now we're going to talk about a quarterback, the Nick Foles going to the Jacksonville Jaguars got a big five-year, $88 million deal. They finally gave the boot to Blake Bortles, and now Nick Foles is coming in. What do you think about that? Hot take. I really think they should have signed him. Signed Blake Bortles. No, 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 no. The Eagles should have uh, signed Nick, Nick Foles. Foles. They should have kept him. And gone ahead and traded Carson Wentz. Carson oh, Wentz. Wow, man. Yeah. I'm worried this that guy. Is a hot take. Listen, this guy, this guy has all the talent in the world, right? All the talent. He's got the all the tools. Yeah. He's got all the tools. Mm-hmm. I'm worried though. I'm worried that this guy caught lightning in a bottle as a guy with his caliber of ability. Was going to win MVP in 2017. I mean, I tell you what. I mean, he got lightning in a bottle, and I'm not saying it was a coincidence. He was no flash-in-the-pan random guy who just got hot. This guy's got the tools. He is impressive, and I tell you what, he he is almost a Cam Newton yeah. kind of guy. But I'm worried that he just caught lightning in a bottle as far as health and consistent play, and I think that his play is more inconsistent than we saw previously, and I think that we've kind of seen that as of late as well as the health concerns. And I'm really concerned that he might not really be the guy like we had thought he was. Oh, man. That, and that I is really, a, I that's a re- scorching hot take on him. I know. I, know. I could see this being take. an ESPN 30 for 30 someday. If Nick Foles goes on to have a, maybe a good career in Jacksonville, if he goes on to maybe make yeah. a playoff run. Because I think it's, you could already make a 30 for 30 on Wentz getting hurt and Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl for them later on that year. Yeah, and so, depending on how uh, Carson Wentz's career goes, you know, yeah. who knows? You know, you if I want to take it, if I want to take it one really, you know, big step, who knows? Maybe Foles wins many Super Bowls and oh, the wow. Eagles just completely collapse, and then you've got all of a sudden your new dynasty and then your new curse. You know, that lives what, on what, forever. The, the what would happen if you guys would have yeah. signed Nick Foles and all that? Jacksonville is an NFL dynasty, yeah. and the Eagles are about to get shipped out of town because they yeah. haven't made the playoffs in fifty years. I can't believe. <laughs> What kind of alternative universe is this? (laughs) And the Jaguars defense, they struggled last year, but I think that was also due to the effort. They knew that their quarterback wasn't going to take them anywhere. They knew their offense wasn't good enough to get it done, so they kind of just gave up. I I think Nick Foles is going to be a really good addition because, remember, John DiFilippo, the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars, worked with Nick Foles during his Super Bowl run. So, obviously, I don't think Nick Foles is any type of quarterback that you plug into a system and he's going to be good. He is not that quarterback. But... If you put him in the right system, you give the right teammates around him, you give him that, you know, the experience, get him what he needs, 
I think he could be a good quarterback. So I think he will be successful in Jacksonville because John D. Football knows how to get the best of Nick Foles. Who is New England's backup? Their backup quarterback? Yeah. It's not coming to my mind right now. If you, want, if you want to stat check real quick while we continue, yeah, go hang, on. Hang on. I have, I have a hot take here. While you're looking at that, I'll talk about Roger Saffold, guard from the Rams, one of the best offensive lines in the uh, in the NFL, which led them to the Super Bowl. He is gone now, going to the Tennessee Titans. Now, they have a nice one-two combo with Taylor Lewan and Saffold. Saffold um, is a really good, powerful, great run blocker, Taylor Lewan. They're finally going to have a really good, hard-nosed offensive line. They're going to feed Derrick Henry 15 to 20 times every single game, and I think that's a really good signing. So are you still uh, looking for the back? Yeah, I'm right? fact-checking right now. Sorry, I'm not. Uh, I was not attentive there. And then now we got Sedarius Smith. Speaking of the Ravens, he was uh, the great pass rusher for the Baltimore Ravens. He signed with the Packers, if I'm not mistaken. Zedaria Smith, yeah, to the Packers again. Really great signings. Zedarius Smith is a really good player. He was a key cog on that great uh, Ravens defense. Finally, the Ravens are starting to get. Not the Ravens, excuse me. The Packers are starting to have a really good defensive line. Kenny Clark is emerging. Zadarius Smith now. They may go take another defensive lineman in the draft. Maybe if Ed Oliver falls to them, they're going to have a really good defense. They're already going to have Aaron Rodgers. I think the Packers made some really, really nice moves in this offseason. Ed Oliver doesn't fall that far. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more than likely he doesn't fall that far. But maybe a guy, you know, like Jeffrey Simmons, you know, Montez Sweat, maybe he might jump into the top ten. But if they take another defensive, maybe one of the Clemson guys, Dexter Lawrence, you know, Cleveland Farrell maybe, and then you build a defense like that, get Aaron Rodgers the ball. I really love the moves that the Packers made getting Zadarius Smith. And then we have, here's a big one. This was a big one for the linebackers. We had C.J. Mosley go from the Ravens right. to the Jets. Yeah. Five years, $85 million for the all-pro linebacker. It's completely reset the market for linebackers. And, I mean, he's worth it because he is one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL, and he has been for the past three, four years. We all know the Jets are rebuilding. They want to build that defense. And now, I'll tell you what, the Jets have game breakers on that defense. You have Leonard Williams. You have Jamal Adams. Now you have C.J. Mosley. You have a top three picks, and more than likely they need an edge rusher, so they're probably going to go get Josh Allen. That is a defense that is, that is going to be really good for years to come. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of things to look forward to them. And uh, one of those defenses that isn't just like, oh, yeah, sturdy defense. It's that's like, oh, that's a defense that I tell you I want to watch that defense play. A lot of young, flying, you know, high-flying yeah. playmakers all over that defense. A lot of times, you know, we talk about the players you want to see play or the offensive players. But when you got the defensive players that are really players that are fun to watch, that brings a new element to the game that is just, you know, uh, really just great to watch. And, and I don't know anyone who doesn't enjoy it. Real quick, I was checking in on it. Uh, unfortunately, Brian Hoyer uh, signed a three-year deal in early season of 2017 with the Patriots. So he has one more year, which is this upcoming year on his contract, uh, as a backup of the New England Patriots. I was really hoping that they had a uh, vacant spot there on their depth chart so that they could sign one Blake Bortles and we could all talk about Blake Bortles and Tom Brady again. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, that one's not going to yeah, work out, at nice. least this year. But I tell you what, uh, actually, I don't know that I want to be speaking to Robert Kraft but right now, but whosoever decision that is, go ahead and make that happen sometime for us, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Now we're going to get to two guys who made a whole bunch of money in the offseason as well. Trent Brown, left tackle for the Patriots, going to the Oakland Raiders for a big $66 million deal. Obviously, I personally, I think this is, they overpaid for Trent Brown. I think the Patriots have the best offensive line coach in the NFL on Dante Scarnecchia. And when the Patriots offensive line leave, 
they're not as good as they were with the Patriots. You know, Nate Solder, you know, guys like that. They were supposed they got all this money and they turned into, you know, average, maybe above average, but not as much money. I like Trent Brown. I think he's going to be good. I think he'll be fine. But for how much money they gave him, I think they overpaid for him. Yeah, I think it just uh, is kind of a trend that we're seeing naturally. Yeah, just these Patriots players that, yo, they play for Belichick. They won Super Bowls. We're going to go get them. We got to go get mm-hmm. these Patriots players. So and then another one of man who completely reset the safety market, Landon Collins, staying in the division, going from the Giants to the Redskins. And he will wear number 21 because he wanted to honor the late, great Sean Taylor. He's got, I think it was like $80 million that Landon Collins got $40 million guaranteed. You know, he he better live up to that because Sean Taylor was on his way to be maybe the greatest safety to ever play this game. And if he wants to wear that 21, Landon, you better wear that with pride, man, because that was an icon. Sean Taylor was an icon. And, I mean, he deserves to. He's one of, the, one of the three or four best safeties on the planet right now. He's great. And I think the Giants are really going to suffer because he's in the division. He's going to play the Giants twice, and I think he's going to cause havoc yeah. in New York. If you've never seen it, Sean Taylor, A Football Life, highly recommended. Um, I mean, pretty much all the football lives are really great. But Sean Taylor's story especially is uh, really great. Kind of a story that if you're not too familiar with, it was uh, pretty brief, unfortunately. But uh, uh, certainly interesting and uh, educational as well. Yeah. And then Justin Houston was released from the Chiefs. Remember, he got that big contract. Yeah. And now he is going to the Colts, which I absolutely love. He fits that culture perfectly. He's hard-nosed, puts his head down and works. He's a great pass rusher. The Colts needed the pass rusher. Two years, $24 million. That's not going to break the bank. I really like that move for the Colts because, we all know, they're in the mode to start contending You know, in the next couple of years. They haven't had a difference maker there since who, Dwight Farini? I mean, I mean, really. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while since the Colts have had a game-breaking pass rusher. Now they finally look like they're building a nice team, which is awesome. And then who do we have? I, the, Tevin Coleman goes from the 49ers. No, no. Falcons to the 49ers, excuse me. I really like this for the 49ers. Now they have Coleman and Jared McKinnon. You can hand the ball off to them both 10, 15 times, and they're also receiving threats. I think Jimmy Garoppolo will really use that well. They have uh, Shanahan. He's going to be great. We know he's an offensive mastermind. He knows how to get his offensive players working. I think that's going to be a great move. The 49ers offense, you know, barring health, Jared McKinnon's health, Jimmy Garoppolo's health, if they're healthy, that could be a really dynamic offense. This is the year to prove it. Absolutely. Yeah, if Garoppolo's healthy, you got your two running backs. You know, they're going to have to address wide receiver, which I think they will in the draft. Once they do that, they have George Kittle emerge as a great tight end. That's right. You get another weapon, Kyle Shanahan, you got to go prove it now, man. Because John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's time is starting to come. You got to make a move. And now here's a here's an interesting story. We got Anthony Barr signed a huge contract with the Vikings. But Adam Schefter reported right before free agency began that he was all but ready to go to the Jets. Him and C.J. Mosley were going to go together. But at the very end, Anthony Barr got cold feet and he decided he wanted to stay in Minnesota. He wanted to stay with Mike Zimmer. And at the end of, at the very last minute, changed his mind from going to the Jets and he stayed a Minnesota Viking. Which would have been incredible for the Jets having that many game breakers on defense. Adding C.J. Mosley, having Jamal Adams, having Anthony Barr, Leonard Williams, and then probably Josh Allen in this draft. You talk about a stifling defense, but the Vikings do keep Anthony Barr last minute. Man, I'm just mad because when they had my man Rex Ryan at the helm, they didn't help him out. They didn't do stuff like this. That's why they weren't successful. Come on, bring him back. Bring him back. Oh, man. And then another big one, we had Quan Alexander go from the Buccaneers to the 49ers. Speaking of the 49ers, Quan Alexander was a really great middle linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And now that he's gone, they didn't want to pay him. I think this all but maybe settles the Buccaneers taking Devin White. 
obviously the Noah's Bengals fans knows we the Bengals want Devin White so bad, but I don't think that's gonna happen now with Quan Alexander leaving the Buccaneers. I think they're just gonna plug Devin White right in. Mm-hmm. That looks like that's gonna happen. And then at the end we have um, we have Jamison Crowder going to the Jets. I think it's a good weapon for Sam Darnold. He's a good slot receiver. He can do a lot of things. And now finally to save the best for last, Odell Beckham Jr being traded from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns for a first-round pick and a third-round pick, and then they threw in Jabril Peppers at the end. This was absolutely crazy. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the Cleveland Browns are the favorites in the AFC North. Their roster is stacked. So, Leo, tell me what you thought about this whole trade. I mean... I was shocked. I was was incredibly shocked. Who's the GM? John Dorsey. John Dorsey? He woke up feeling pretty dangerous that day, didn't he? <laughs> Jesus, man. The Holy cow. Wow. Also, hang on real quick. Are the Giants going to go 0-16? They, they're going to be really bad next year. Their division's really good, too. Yeah, they are going to win. Especially their, uh, their roommates. Yeah. I, the Giants are going to be... The Jets are going to be the best team in New York now. Yeah. I, I absolutely believe that. And I believe the Giants win no more than four or five games. Absolutely no more than four or five games. Saquon Barkley is going to be fighting for his life in the backfield. They're going to stack eight men in the box. He's going to, if I'm Saquon Barkley, I, I fake an injury and just get hurt and don't waste a year of my life. Because then they're going to feed him about 25 times a game and he's going to get nothing out of it. They're going to win four games. They're not going to be a playoff contender. If I'm Saquon, I get hurt. I, I tell him I'm hurt. I sit out and come back on the team and starting to become formidable again. Because they're going to stack the box, but the Giants are going to be no good. They signed Golden Tate. They downgraded at so many positions. They let go of Landon Collins. They signed Jerome Peppers. Downgrade. Odell Beckham uh, Jr. traded. Golden Tate. I like Golden Tate, but he's a downgrade. They got rid of Olivier Vernon. Sure, they upgraded the offensive line with Kevin Zeitler, which is fine. But they got worse on the defensive line. So this team is getting worse in so many different positions. And they still have Eli Manning. Who is getting worse? (laughs) Which is hard to believe. I don't understand. I don't know how that guy could get worse, but I know he's going to be worse. Yeah, so they have two first-round picks now, number six overall and number 17 overall. It's I'm, not even that good. It's, and it's really not. <laughs> they they have to adjust quarterback. They have to adjust cornerback. They have to address uh, pass rushers. they got a lot of things they need to do. I think it's safe to say that the Giants are going to go into a rebuild. I think it's safe to say they're for the next two three years they they might not gonna be a good football. They team. can't start their rebuild yet because they've still got pieces that have got to go out in order to initiate a rebuild. Cough cough, Eli Manning. Yeah, Eli Manning. A twenty two million dollar cap hit this year. Yeah, it's just not not working out. And as I said, you know, a sixth and a thirteenth. I tell you what, if I'm them, I'm I'm packaging that sixth and a thirteenth to move up a couple spots. No lie, I, I really do think that when you get into the top three or two of a draft, that's where you can find, I realize not every draft has that generational guy, but that's where you find the guys who not only step in right now and are difference makers, but are franchise icons, mm-hmm. the Saquon Barkleys of the world. Yeah. Here you're going to get guys who are really quality players to support your Saquon Barkleys of the world. Yeah. I'd rather have like two Saquon Barkleys. Yeah. Enough of Giants, I'm going to get Dwayne Haskins. You need a quarterback, you need a distributor. You need somebody to take over for Eli, and if I, if Dwayne Haskins is there at number six, why don't you take him? You need a quarterback. Eli is old. They don't have a replacement. Kyle Laletta is not going to play in New York. You need a guy like Dwayne Haskins to come in, and you you got a lot of rebuilding to do. And in terms of Cleveland, I mean, what can we say about Cleveland? Their roster is stacked from top to bottom. 
Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. They're going to have Kareem Hunt after eight games. They have David Njoku. Obviously, they got the gunslinger, Baker Mayfield. I mean, this offense is good. Freddie Kitchens is back, which is I think is the big key cog. And then on defense, they got Olivier Vernon. They got Sheldon Richardson. They got Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward. It was is a great cornerback now. They have talent all over this roster. And like I said, the biggest question mark here is not the players. It's Freddie Kitchens. How is he going to handle, you know, all of these egos, all of these game breakers, all of these guys with incredibly bright personalities, the Odell Beckhams, the Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield, the outspoken guys. If he can handle them and if he can continue calling plays like he did last year after Hugh Jackson left, this team can win 10 games. This team can win 10 games or they can win the division. Can we please have the Cleveland Browns on hard knocks again? That can would be the year please? to put Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland Browns on hard knocks. I don't want to see anyone else. I don't. I really don't. There's probably going to be fights. There's probably going to be trash talking. There's probably going to be Baker Mayfield dancing around like he is on all these uh, Twitter and Instagram videos. Um, obviously having Kareem Hunt, maybe that's a little bit more controversial, but he'll be there, obviously. They got so many figures on this team. Nick Chubb, who looks like he's going to be a star. And then you have Kareem Hunt. He's going to come back. And if he stays out of trouble, he's one of the five or six best running backs in the NFL. I mean, this it's just not fair how many offensive weapons that the Cleveland Browns, yes, the Cleveland Browns, who haven't won the division since 1989, are the favorites to win. You know, I wouldn't count out the Steelers. I wouldn't count out the Ravens. They have a history of winning. But if you're looking on paper right now and you preview the division, the best roster is, without question, the Cleveland Browns. This this franchise has never won the division. I mean, <laughs> it's been 30 years. No, no, that's a different franchise. <laughs> that's the Colts, man. Oh, yeah, the Baltimore Colts. Yeah. <laughs> the last time anybody really thought anything of Cleveland was when they had Jim Brown. Is the when... last time the same franchise as the Cleveland Browns won a Super Bowl was when Peyton Manning did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the Cleveland Browns are going to look good. I think Odell, I think he's going to have a great year um, in the division. They, there are too many weapons. I think Odell Beckham goes for over 1,000 yards. I think he gets back to his old ways, his first three years in New York when he was lighting up the league. I think him and Jarvis Landry, they're best friends. I think they're going to be able to get along fine. Um, obviously, there's going to be bumps in the road. Where Cleveland's not perfect. I know we're talking about them like they're perfect, but they're far from perfect. They're going to lose their games. There's going to be some shakeups, just like there is in every other NFL team. But if this team can stay together, you know, if this team can have the camaraderie, they're as dangerous as anyone in the NFL. I agree. I, t I totally agree. I mean, as you said, weapons on weapons on weapons. Absolutely. So now, as we get ready to wrap up, we are going to turn it over to Leo. Oh, Leo's man. got the power play ready for us. The NHL playoffs are right around the corner. And Leo is going to give us an update on who's going to win, who's going to, who's a big playmaker, and everything in between. Yeah, I tell you what, it's uh, it's really, really looking close um, in a lot of races here, specifically for the wild card, and then also as far as home ice goes for some of the divisional teams. Um, and so, personally, my Blue Jackets have all of a sudden caught in fire, and it's just got together here with Matt Duchesne playing with Artemi Panarin, and it's been beautiful. Cam Atkinson scored 41 goals now. Really impressive. They're just, getting hot at the right time. They you are, never man. know. That's what I'm saying. And uh, looking like they likely will either play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, which would be a heck of a, an opponent. But I tell you what, if you beat those guys, and as I said, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And all of our guns are hot at the right time. If we can beat those guys, I'm ready to win the cup. 
Yeah, because the Lightning uh, throughout the whole season have, without question, been the best team in the NHL. Without they, question, they just set the record for most wins in a season. That they truly, truly are astonishing. Which is another storyline. With still a few um, games to go too, while setting the record. Ex- With still uh, multiple games to go left in the season. Exactly, it's truly amazing what they do, and I'm pretty sure they've got three forty goal scorers on their team. Um, just absolutely loaded. That is absurd. And, and just just looking good all, all around in, in the chemistry. Something you notice when they play and. Um, let's see, we're going over to the West, what the stats are looking like over there. Um, big win last night by, uh, let's see, Colorado battled back um, after losing a late lead to St. Louis, which was a pivotal game for both of them. So Colorado might be getting in. I am kind of pulling for Arizona, but I also kind of like Chicago. I've um, really big into Dylan Strome with Chicago. I'm a big believer in him. So I'd like to see the Blackhawks pull stuff, something off, even though, you know, they had their dynasty, but it's... The dynasty's kind of over, you know, but all of a sudden, they're back in the contention for a wild card spot. Um, they might fall a little bit short, but all in all, a great season for them. And last point, the Ottawa Senators, man, it just keeps getting uglier and uglier. We talked about all the trades. They lost all their best players at the deadline and and uh, got back some good players, but, but it's going to take some time for them and can't even look at the positive of the draft because their number one overall draft pick, potentially... Um, will we'll belong to the Colorado Avalanche, who are already a high-skilled team. And so it really is a devastating effect to make that trade that they did and then receive even less from the Blue Jackets uh, at the trade deadline for the same guy that they gave up that pick for. Yeah, absolutely. NHL playoffs, it's always an exciting time. So I do want to ask you, how are the Capitals looking? Because I know Alex Ovechkin, um, another 40-goal season, just Another one that he gets years. Another 50-goal season, my man. Another 50-goal season that he just, you know, does it it in his sleeve. How are the Capitals looking? Are they a threat to go back-to-back? Uh, yeah, so they're another team who's kind of caught fire at the right time. So they've, it's not like, I wouldn't say they've slowed down, but they were just absolutely blazing. But then now in the last kind of four or five games, they've kind of continued to win games, but less of a margin in terms of uh, that that for sure. But they have really kind of come out of nowhere um, late in the season, along with the Penguins. But, you know, you say coming out of nowhere, but those teams, you know they're going to make it. You don't yeah. worry about teams it. Teams like the Penguins that are always in, exactly. in, in, the, exactly. in the tournament, in the playoffs, excuse me. And the, the Islanders also um, are fighting for that uh, number one in the division spot with the Capitals. And the Islanders are another example. And ironically, actually, the Islanders coach Barry Trotz um, was the coach of the Capitals last season who went on and won the Stanley Cup. And uh, as we talked about earlier, that strategy of just – Play a sound game, and when you get your chances, capitalize on them. Um, the Islanders last season were number one in goal scored. They lost John Tavares. They got Barry Trotz. Last season, they were dead last in goals allowed. They allowed the most goals in the league, but they also scored the most goals. They didn't make the playoffs. Fired their coach, lost their best player. Now they hire a new coach. He brings in defense. They're not as good because they lost their best player. And now they play a structured game. Nobody scores as much as they did last year. And and their numbers are way down. But guess what? These two random goalies they have are playing phenomenal. And it's all because the defense and structure and the block shots and all of this stuff. And next thing you know, they're competing to not just make the playoffs, win a division. It's Barry Trotz. It's playing defense. It's all about strategy, just as we spoke about earlier. That's what happens when you bring in championship-level coaches. A coach who just won the NHL Stanley Cup comes in, 
what team team looks like. They're not going to get it done. They're not going to be a playoff team. As you said, they're in competition to win the division and be a tough out for whoever they play in the playoffs. Exactly. Absolutely. So is that that's going to wrap it up for the power play. We are going to be done here. Obviously, thanks for sticking with us, guys. we got a lot more stories to come. Next week, we'll talk about the NBA playoffs and a lot more breaking news and stories. So for Safon Alvey, there's Leo Saylor. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time. And don't forget, wraps in the finals, baby. <laughs>